my experience, it isn't too hard to believe that God is in charge of the good things. I mean, when we think about it, this lines up with our general perception of God's character, and it makes a lot of sense. I think that it's very natural for us to understand that God controls all the good things and the blessings in our lives. But God's not just in charge of the good things. He also rules over the bad things. And I think that's often very challenging. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to An Average Account of Exceptional Things. My name is Chandler, and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So as always, I want to go ahead and just jump right into the topic for this week. And I will say, this topic is one that I think is foundational to the Christian faith as a whole, as well as just who God is. So I want to talk today about God's sovereignty, not just on its own, but also in relation to how that understanding impacts our spiritual walks. Now, there's also a portion of this discussion that I feel is particularly appropriate in light of our topic from last week. So, if you haven't listened to that, I would encourage you, before you go any further, just go ahead and pause this episode, go back, listen to that episode, and then come right back. Because I think that these topics, in some ways, can go hand in hand. So getting right into our first discussion question for this week, what does it mean to be sovereign? And how can we see God's sovereignty displayed? Now, the whole message behind this podcast and and this show is to communicate these topics in a way that's easy to understand and that connects with people so that we can put it into application. And I understand that the word sovereignty can be a bit large, a bit intimidating, and it can feel like there's a lot of complexity behind a noun or an adjective like that. But I want to break it down and try to make it as simple as possible because I think that this is exactly the word that we're looking for in this circumstance. So I want to go ahead and define sovereignty. If you look this up in the dictionary... I believe I used Merriam-Webster for this one. You'll find this definition. Essentially, sovereignty is supreme power over something. Could be supreme power over a physical kingdom ruling, or in this case, in a Christian context, supreme power over not only the earth but also the heavens. But we'll get into that more later. Now, if you look this up in a dictionary, you're also going to see another definition. And this definition is freedom from external control or autonomy. Now, I think that both of these definitions are applicable here. And that's because God is completely free from external control because he's not a created being. And so in that way, that second definition of autonomy or freedom from external control really applies here. Because if God was created by someone or something else, then by definition, he would not be the God that we see described in Scripture. And also, kind of branching off from that, then 
we would almost view that entity as God uh, rather than viewing the Lord as God. Hopefully that made sense. Now, we are all obviously falling under the umbrella of created beings, since there is definitely a beginning to our existence. And if you feel like you have existed throughout all of time, even before your birth, um, please reach out to me through the form in the description, because I would love to talk to you and understand how that works. Uh, but I can speak for myself, at least, when saying that there was certainly a time where I did not exist. And this is supported in Scripture as well with the creation story. This is going to be Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So, if you need any more evidence than personal experience, there it is right there. Uh, humans and everything in this world that we interact with is all created. That is to say, there was a time, there was a point in time, where it was not in existence. Now, a little fun fact here. Angels are actually also created beings as well, which demonstrates God's power over everything, not just on earth, but also in heaven as well. But circling back around, we've discussed that second definition, going into the element of autonomy and freedom from external control. But now I want to come back to the first definition, and... I kind of branched off and discussed this just a little bit for a moment before. And I think that it's fair to say that this is the way that we think of sovereignty most commonly. Because God is not only autonomous in the ultimate way, but he is also all-powerful, ruling over all that exists. So, I would argue that this also relates in some ways to what we just discussed, since the idea of autonomy goes hand-in-hand hand with God's characteristics of being all-knowing, for you scholars out there, omniscient, and being all-powerful. The big word here being omnipotent. So, how can we see the Lord's sovereignty displayed in Scripture? Well, we can see it in several places throughout the Bible, but I wanted to bring a few here today that resonated with me in particular. The first one's going to be out of Revelation, chapter 21, and we're looking at verse 6. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. So this one lays it out very simply for us. It says that God is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. God is over all things, past, present, and future. Simple as that. 
Now next, we're going to be moving on to Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. So for this one, I think the big takeaway, for me at least, is that God created all things, one, but also, two, that he is capable of all things. And if I could go on a little bit of a tangent here, I think that this also ties back into the big difference between a functional and active Christian faith compared to more of an old school way of thinking, if you will, with deism. And I think that this is a a misconception that some people can have about God. And the idea, the incorrect philosophy, is that God just created the world, and then that's it. We're on our own. The most common illustration of this would be like winding up an old clock. You wind it up, you set it down, and it does what it does. But we know that that's not the case, because God not only created all that we see, he is also active and faithful to answer prayers and work in our lives, even today. And I think that this verse, in a lot of ways, speaks to that as well, because not only is God capable of creation, but God is also capable of working those incredible things in our lives, both on the big picture level, but also just in the little everyday miracles that often go overlooked or even taken for granted. Now, the last place that I want to look at here as a specific example is going to be Psalms chapter 103, verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. And so here, we see something, in my opinion, absolutely incredible. Perhaps the greatest takeaway of all underlying this, which is the understanding that God has authority over everything. Nature, in fact, the entire earth, angels, heaven, even Satan himself. Now when I said that, some of you may have been a bit surprised or even taken aback But it's true. Even Satan is under the rule and authority of God. And don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. We can see this in Job chapter 1 verses 9 through 12. I'm sure that there are other places in scripture, uh, but I think that this is maybe the most straightforward illustration here. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. 
So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So we can see it there. Even Satan does not have the power to act without God allowing it. Right there in the later verses, we can see that Satan isn't able to act upon Job until God allows him to and removes that hedge of protection. And so this leads very nicely into our next discussion question, and it's this. In what ways can this be difficult to functionally believe? Well, to break this down a little further, I'll say it this way. In my life, generally I would say there are three categories of things. There are good things, there are bad things, and there are things that I'm more or less indifferent to. Now, starting out with that first category, obviously painting with a very broad brush here. In my experience, it isn't too hard to believe that God is in charge of the good things. I mean, when we think about it, this lines up with our general perception of God's character, and it makes a lot of sense. I think that it's very natural for us to understand that God controls all the good things and the blessings in our lives. But God's not just in charge of the good things. He also rules over the bad things. And I think that's often very challenging to get our heads around. That idea that God is sovereign over not only the good, but also the bad. But we can see this illustrated once again in Scripture in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So once again, it's very plainly stated here. All things work together for good. Even the bad things. Now, if that thought can feel a bit troubling, uh, there is a response that I've found can help frame this in a new light and really add a lot of perspective where, for me previously, there was quite a bit of confusion. And I'll ask this question. Is it really comforting to think of a reality where God has no power over the bad things in our lives? I mean, imagine that, right? What if we took that in the opposite direction? What if God wasn't all-powerful? What if God couldn't control and didn't have authority over the bad things? Then, when bad things arose in our lives, we wouldn't have the ability to turn to God to have hope that he has power to handle those situations. Instead, we would be more or less just out in the cold on our own. Now, walking through that little thought experiment there, I think that my viewpoint is pretty clear. For me, 
that's not comforting to think about at all. And thankfully, that's not the reality that we live in. And so instead, we can find peace in the understanding that God holds it all, even the bad things. But you may recall there was a third category that I mentioned a moment ago, and that was things that I'm indifferent to. I would say that you could also categorize this in some ways as things that we view as random. You know, I think we often say, oh, that was just bad luck, or oh, wow, I've been really lucky because this thing happened, or this thing that would have been bad didn't happen. But in fact, God is not only sovereign over the good things and the bad things, but also over the random things. And although you can't see me right now, I will audibly describe the air quotes around random, and you'll understand why in just a moment. Here I want to offer a particularly insightful verse for this topic, and that's going to be Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. And what this verse reveals to us in very clear language is that there's actually no such thing as random chance. I think that the terms good luck or bad luck or being lucky or unlucky have become popular language in our modern world, but when you really boil things down, there's no such thing as being lucky or unlucky, and bad luck and good luck don't exist, because there is no random chance. Even the things that seem random to us actually occur exactly as the Lord has determined that they will, and that's all in accordance with his perfect will. So once again, I think that we can find comfort in this verse, because when bad things do arise in our life, we can know that everything happens and everything occurs for a reason, even if we don't understand it now or we don't understand it ever during our natural lives. There is no random chance, and as a result, we can take comfort that we don't suffer or succeed randomly. But those things occur all according to God's plan and all because of God's sovereignty. So as we start to move towards the close of this episode, I want to offer you with one more piece of scripture and, and one more perspective that I think maybe more than anything else in this episode, has been the most powerful in my personal life and that I've benefited the most from hearing. So the scripture here comes out of Acts, and it's going to be chapter 4, verses 27 and 28. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. 
Now this, for those who may be unaware, is referring to the crucifixion of Jesus and the people who played a part in that, both for those who are named specifically and for the larger masses, which we can see just described as the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. And what these verses reveal to us is something that's absolutely incredible. Because what we can read here is that all of those things, everything that took place during the crucifixion of our Lord, happened exactly as God knew it would happen, exactly as God planned that it would happen, and exactly as he allowed it to happen. Because the plan was always the cross. There was no plan B. This was always the way from the beginning. Because it's God's perfect plan and it's God's perfect will. But when we apply this to our own lives, we can see something really profound. And it's the same truth because God is unchanging throughout time. It's one of the wonderful things about God's character. We can see that even our enemies cannot go further against us than God allows them. Now, the pastor K.J. Pugh put it in this way, They don't have power over me. God has power over all of us. And I think that ultimately that's the big takeaway here. God has power over all of us. And so, when you do encounter trials in life, or when we face enemies, or we have that thorn in our side, we can find comfort in the understanding that God holds it all. So with all that said, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of An Average Account of Exceptional Things. And until next time, encourage one another, love your enemies, and count your blessings. Mm-hmm.